This is manager Chris Woodward from the Texas Rangers. You're listening to the Rangers Nation podcast. Welcome to Rangers Nation podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation's podcast. I am your host, the Recliner Nerd. This week's episode, Levi Weaver. This past Friday night when the game where the Rangers came back from an 8-4 deficit uh, before the game, I sat down with Levi Weaver, the, the beat writer for The Athletic, uh, one, just one of the most genuine good dudes and got one of the greatest good stories. I sat down with Levi, and we just talked about life, being a beat writer, what it's like, his time in Nashville, all of that. And we're going to get there right after this. This is Joey Gallo with the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to the Ranger Nation podcast. This is Ronald Guzman for the Texas Rangers, and you're listening to Rangers Nation podcast. Okay, and welcome back to Rangers Nation's podcast, and today's episode is Levi Weaver. want to set this up and just kind of tell you, uh, Levi, obviously, uh, is the beat writer for The Athletic. Um he also hosts Welcome to the Hit Show, and we addressed that a little bit there. Uh, but, but you know, Levi was the first guy I met uh, when I when I first came in and, and got the credentials this year. He's been unbelievable, and I, I can't stress enough. I am so telling everyone that you need to join The Athletic. You need to – it is such a cheap subscription uh, on The Athletic. You, and I want to set up what's happening here so you kind of know because it changes – in it and I want to let you know so first of all we had agreed to do this uh, a few weeks ago he had he said I mean he didn't even hesitate absolutely John Uh, you know yeah if you want to do I'd love to sit down and do it Um, normally he goes on and talks baseball and breaks down the team and that I didn't want I want to do the get to know Levi and Emily and him did a good one also talking to his about his life on uh, welcome to the hit show and y'all need to listen to that also but um First day that I was back and that we were going to try to do it was two days after the death of of Tyler Skaggs, and honestly, it didn't feel appropriate. Um, I think he was willing to do it that day, but it was a little bit solemn in in the fact that uh, a lot of the Angel Beat reporters were there. Um, um, you, you felt for them, and and all of us were just, you know, just kind of in a in a little bit of a funk. Them more, especially since they were there the day it happened. They were there the next day for the first game. I was there for the second game. And, uh, you know, and, and everything, it was it was a lot busier. There were a lot more press than normal, and that was because the L.A. contingent that was out there, and, and you know, bef- because of the Tyler Skaggs uh, situation. So, anyway, <clears throat> so we got there, and we did this Friday night. Uh, he was ready to go. He had to do a couple things, and then we were ready to go. So, first of all, where it starts out is when you see the post-game show, you'll see Woody sitting in front of the microphone giving the interview. We went in there first. That's the interview room. Uh, just to kind of get away from everybody. You'll hear us stop um, – uh, about six minutes in, somebody came in, and a lot of times, if a player has a charity or something like that, he'll uh, they'll have a little meet and greet and with the charity or something. And, and there were some people that walked in, and it was going to be starting up in about you know five ten minutes. And so we we got up and left there, went out in into the stadium, sat down in the stands, and uh, 
you know, right behind home plate in the shade and did the rest of it. It's a little louder out there, but it's still the, the audio came out fine. Um, and just this story is unbelievable. You guys are going to love this guy. I mean, if you, if this doesn't get you to follow Levi, I don't know what, or, or the athletic, it's not Levi, it's the athletic. It's not just Levi. That's such great. I mean, I've happened to meet him, but Jamie Newberg's there for any of you old Newberg report people. I am. Uh, but the reason I initially joined the athletic was because of Ken Rosenthal and Ken is the premier look it's trade deadline coming up you need to be on board with this and see this stuff anyway this is it we're going to start out and uh, this runs about 35 minutes long 35 to 40 minutes you'll enjoy every minute of it listening to Levi and his story hope you enjoy it Levi Weaver hey guys we're Kleiner here from uh, Ranger Nation podcast this is an awesome one for me uh, today with us, I've been saying that he was going to come on here, but with me is the athletic beat writer for the Texas Rangers and co-host to Welcome to the Hit Show with Miss Emily Jones, Levi Weaver. Levi, I appreciate you coming on. Of course, and I, I actually really that's the best way to describe it. the athletic beat writer. People don't know if I write for the athletic or if I'm just exceptionally svelte. So this is... <laughs> Um, keep my secrets. Don't tell them which one it is. Okay. Well, and when I when I decided I wanted to do this, apparently four or five other people decided they wanted to get to know Levi. I've, I've always wanted. To, I'm intrigued because as a, I do this as kind of a blogger and podcaster, and I'm a Ranger fan. But watching beat writers is fun for me. But your story is crazy. So I know you go on radio stations, you go on other podcasts, mm. you break down possible trades, all of this stuff. I want to get to know Levi Weaver. I know okay. a lot of these, but I think the listeners would like to know these too. Okay. So that's what I want to do. So tell everyone where you were born and where did you grow up? Uh, I was born in Colorado, just north of Denver, but my family moved to Texas when I was about three, I think, three or four. And I grew up, uh, went to kindergarten at Grandview Elementary, which is south of Cleburne, and then we, we moved... Uh, to Rio Vista, we were, and we were like right in the middle. We had like a Grandview mailing address and a Cleburne phone number and Keene Sanitation and Rio Vista. I know the whole area. And, yeah, uh, I think we had something something to do with Blum. They were involved somehow. So I was out in just the middle of everywhere and nowhere at the same time, and that is where I grew up. And then. Um, I forget. Was that the end of the question? Was no. Did more? you and you went to high school at, at Rio Vista? Rio yeah, Vista. I was a, a Rio Vista Eagle. Now, uh, this is a question that. Uh, I, I'm anxious to ask other writers about too, but okay. and I've actually asked you about, you know, you have, obviously have a love for sports. You cover mm-hmm. sports and you do it. Did you play sports when you were growing up? I did. I went to a small enough school that uh, they allowed me to play even though I was bad. And so <laughs> I was in eighth grade. I was five feet, nine inches tall, and I weighed about 115 or 120 pounds. And when the starting left guard was injured, I became the starting left guard like offensive lineman in football yeah and my um my like go-to move when i would go up against i mean eighth grade like they're not adults but some of them are you know the defensive linemen those are the biggest kids in the class right and Mm -hmm. so there was i'm up against the big kids and my move was to um jump at them like a spider monkey and grab their jersey like in the very middle (laughs) and hold my elbows out to like guard so the referees couldn't see my hands and then just fall backwards and so they they weren't expecting they were expecting like i'm gonna this kid's gonna come at me and i'm gonna just crush them so they're coming forward and i would just grab them and fall backwards and they would fall down and i told the coaches what i was doing i'm like look it's gonna look like i'm getting pancakes but just i'm this on purpose yes i know i can't beat that guy so i'm just gonna (laughs) fall down and as long as our running back can jump 
he's got there'll be a hole there'll there. be a hole there yeah and so yeah I, I kept the starting left guard job for the entirety of the rest of the eighth grade like uh, it was like the second game when I became the starter and I kept it for the rest of the of the of the season but I played basketball um, I played baseball I played baseball from the time I was little growing up so that was my best sport and then um, through high school yeah and then I also ran track. I was on track and field. I ran distance. And I hated it. Like, I hated running distance. But I was good at it. And I was just stubborn. And I Little think school. Like small school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and actually, at the end of... Uh, I ran cross country also. At the end of high school, Tarleton State offered me not a full scholarship, but, but a small, like, partial scholarship to come be on the cross country and track teams. And I was like... Nah, I'm good. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't wanna, I've got an academic scholarship, and I think that's probably where my future is anyway. So, uh, and also, I hate running. So, you probably don't want me on. Your, I'm bad for morale on the team. My I'm, wife runs. I'm the same way. I, it's like, come on, come walk with me. Or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm yeah. sorry, that's not me. I'm just very indoorsy. Yes, I, I, air conditioning is my friend. Yeah. Last night I texted you from the game, or I yeah, messaged yeah. you up there with my cold beer, and you said I'd take the, I'll take the, the air conditioning. I'll take the air conditioning any day. Any day, right. and I'll tell you what. About halfway through the game, I was like, you know, he's got a point. Especially when I had to answer the if Odor was from Arabia. Yeah, that yeah. was crazy. So you grew up in Texas. Were you, were. You, Pro teams? Were you a fan of the DFW mm-hmm. teams, the Rangers? The you know? yeah. So I, I kind of discovered football earlier, um, just because the Dallas Cowboys, sure. and and, um, and then kind of discovered the Mavericks because they had a pretty good run when I was like six or seven, where they were up against the Lakers in the Western mm-hmm. Conference Championship a couple of times. Um, but it wasn't until I was eight that I discovered baseball. And I remember that I was eight because my dad, well, so when I was six, my dad made me play t-ball and I hated it. And, um, but when I was eight, he bought me a pack of baseball cards because he was concerned that I was spending too much time inside reading books. Right. Like you got to do something. You got to get outside. You need something. And so he couldn't get me, you know, t-ball failed. Um, I didn't, I was homeschooled in elementary school and so and junior high so there was really no I didn't have a school team that I could go play with and we, my dad was a rodeo cowboy so we were on the road a lot there's a whole other yeah that's a whole other side of the story right <laughs> just breezing over that like it's yeah. nothing um, and so he bought me a pack of baseball cards and he explained the statistics on the back he's like yeah. this is what a batting average is this is how an RBI yeah. is counted here's what a good number of home runs is and I still have a Steve Bouchel card from that first pack of cards that he bought me. My name is written on the bottom because I didn't want anybody to steal it. <laughs> uh, it's like fuzzy edged, but I mean, you can't trade a Steve Bouchel card for as much as it's worth to me. So Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was that was the uh, where it all started. And pretty soon I was a big fan of, and, and the other thing is that the Rangers were on WBAP 820 back then, which mm-hmm. is one of, I yep. think, three stations in the yep. United States that stayed at 100,000 watts. Right. All night long. So you could you could hear them. I used to listen to games in Vernon, Texas. You could hear them so down there. I used to listen to games in Walla Walla, Washington. And I think we're going to be run out of the, at the interview room. Let's pause. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, we're back again. Sorry about that. We had to move out of the interview room here. And we're now back outside sitting in the shade. And, uh, and so, anyway, we were talking about WBAP. Yeah, back then, WBAP for sure. Yeah. You could, you could so, hear. so when we were going to rodeos with my dad, we would like. Um, I, I didn't. I never. Like I had friends, but also like I didn't want to be a rodeo cowboy necessarily. And so, I would sit in the truck and listen to Rangers games with Mark Holtz and Eric Nadell. Yep. In like 
seriously, I remember listening to them in Walla Walla, Washington. Oh my from gosh. From WBAP, so the signal would go everywhere. So y'all were up in Washington at a rodeo, yeah. and you could listen to the rain. And I was in the truck listening to uh, Holtz and Nadell. And so Eric Nadell is like kind of part of the voice of my childhood, really. But that was yeah. how I became a big Rangers fan, is just listening to those games and you know going over statistics. I would buy baseball cards and keep them with me on the road. So yeah. that was that was how it all started for me. Now, one of the one of the neatest things about you that I found when I first that first day I came in and I've done about 15 games this year and I, I knew who you were and I introduced myself and just said hey I'm a fan I love your stuff and you were very polite and kind to me and talking to me and we started chatting just a little bit you were kind of busy and you alluded to the fact that you had been in Nashville yes and so immediately so I was like wow that's a neat story you've been in Nashville you did music one way you can always find somebody with music is later the next day I go to YouTube and I just look up the name Levi Weaver and here's all these videos. Oh, yeah. I start listening to, to the songs and my wife, now look, I'm a, I love music, but I, if you have harmony in your music, uh-huh. I'm pretty much a fan, so I'm not very, uh, what do you say, musically snobby, but my sure. wife is. Okay. And so she's a fan after right, I showed her right. your stuff and I, I tried to at first say, it kind of reminds me of her favorites, Chris Stapleton. Immediately she went, no, that's not like Chris Stapleton, but that guy's good. <laughs> so I remember that. So tell me that. So so going to Nashville, you yeah. just up and decided to be a musician. Well, yeah. So I had been, I, I was in England for two years. I uh, lived in Birmingham, England, and I was mentoring high school kids with my job. Okay. And kind of got started on my solo career there music and did a tour in the U.S. with um, a British artist named Imogen Heap. Yeah. And the tour was too long for me to get enough vacation time, so I had to quit my job and I had to move back. So I literally took a, um, I had a place map that was like a, a map of the United States. Right. And I knew I didn't want to come back to Texas, uh, and so I just spun the map, closed my eyes, and like put my finger down. And my finger actually landed on uh, Chattanooga. And I went, I'm not, I'm not moving to Chattanooga. Yeah, I'm not going to live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay. But I've got friends in Nashville, and that's close enough. If I just slide my finger just a little bit that way. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, all right, let's go to Nashville and see. And a lot of people move to Nashville to, you know, quote, unquote, make it in music. And that was not that was not my goal because I knew that that was sort of the writer scene. You write songs for other people. You right. You try and, you know, pitch this hit to this studio or to this. I knew I wanted to tour and write my own stuff. And I knew that. Eventually, I would have people around me in in Nashville that would be able right. to help do that. But I didn't want to like traditionally like make it in the Nashville scene. Right. And um, and yeah, so we were there for seven years. Okay. So, all right. Now I've listened to I've listened to a lot of it. My wife too. You had an interesting little thing. You said that the song "Witch Drink," and at the beginning you said, "Hey, don't don't feel bad. You kind of about a breakup or yeah. uh, cheated on, and don't feel bad. I got a song out of it, and I've made yeah. money off of it." So. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> yeah. A very small amount of money. <laughs> so what, tell me about which drink. What were you talking about there? So heartbreak? Is that uh, a... Yeah. 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 Um, I, a lot of people misunderstand that song. But I think once you write a song and you sort of release it into the world, then um, I heard Nick Cave say something about this recently where like once you release a song into the world, it's not your song anymore. Yeah. And that song takes on... A, particular meaning for whoever listens to it and that that's what that song means to them right and and that's kind of how I feel about that song is that I I don't like yeah it came from a crappy situation 
that we've all probably had that, in our lives that have had yeah I mean you know you get cheated on and that happens and and um, but that like but that song now is just, it's whatever the listener you know, sure and then when they take it in it means something to them I mean now okay if, they, if they've misunderstood it and they're offended and they're like why how could you possibly write that about this like why would you say that I'm happy to go okay well okay it's not about that yeah okay let me help you understand let me explain where I was coming from right but unless that's the situation I kind of prefer now and I I told the story a lot of times when I was touring but I kind of prefer now to just sort of let it be what it is and if it means something to somebody great and um, and also the other thing like it just feels like sort of digging up old dirt on somebody that I've forgiven and moved on and like uh, so so yeah, it, I, but that definitely more than any other other song was one that I think a lot of people connected with, and they probably had to do with the performance of it too. I had a bunch of loop pedals and a violin yeah. bow and all this mess. Yeah, it was, was really doing, so. it was really neat to watch you yeah. go through all of that with how you and you would start the tapping on it yeah, to yeah. start the loop. Yeah, I've seen a few musicians do that. That's pretty interesting. Now, what has been your biggest hit of all of them? Is that it? Or yeah, I think so. Um, how many albums did you have? I had let's see, I had three full-length albums and then two EPs which were like five or six songs each right and then two live albums and then I don't know if you can count the last thing that I released it was sort of like I took a bunch of my b-sides when I retired and went like this is all I have left like yeah. some of these are finished some of them are not some of them are like half melodies and some yeah. made-up words and I just didn't finish it but like 17 or 18 songs here you go if you want them you can have them for you know whatever the price so well I mean so I this is, I'm interested to hear you say this. How do you describe your music? I, I don't know that you'd call it necessarily country or... No. What do you call it? Not country. Not country. That's the, uh, that's how I describe it. it is, okay. It, it, there's a hyphen. Not hyphen country. That's... that Not country? Yeah. Okay. So I, the way I used to answer this when I was doing music, we'd be like, oh, well, you're a music... I'd be on a flight or whatever. Oh, you're a music. What kind of music do you play? And I would just go, sad. <laughs> And my wife was like, you gotta stop saying that. Like, that is not an appealing way to talk about your music. And I'm like, yeah, but for the people that are gonna like it, it is. Like, yeah. there are people that like sad music, and this is sad music. And, and it wasn't all, I mean, there were love songs, there were right. hopeful songs, but it was sad. I mean, was, I, I, and I'd never, like, I never did any, any rap or anything that was like traditionally new country. I, I probably had some that were sort of old country sounding. But other than that, I never limited myself. If I thought it was going to sound good to do like an electronic beat for this particular song, then let's do an electronic beat for this song. If it's going to, you know, whatever. I, I think that's what makes Kath, Kathy's my wife love it. Is she is so like, man, if you're marching to the beat of your own drum and, and it's good, and she likes to, so we'll go, she'll be the one that, hey, let's go out and there's live music here for free, and she'll pull it up and go, this is what they sound like. I'm like, fine, to me, I'm more... I like all the songs that are played everywhere, but right. she loves to listen to that, and I love it with her. I mean, we sit yeah. down and drink a beer and watch it. Some guy that is, and she just loves that. That's why I think she kind of resonated with yours. It's kind of like he's got his, you're her her spirit animal crush, maybe, <laughs> or something like that. My, look, my wife's way too good for me, but I, I love that about her. She just loves that, but she's really resonating. She liked your music and liked your writing. Um, okay, so... This is another interesting one. How do you transfer from a singer-songwriter to a beat writer for, yeah. for a sports team? A Texas Ranger beat writer. How does that happen? How did, um, why did you quit? What, what got you out of Nashville? Well, so we, I was tired of traveling without my family was was the main oh, thing. Oh, so you had, so, had your wife by then and had yeah, the kids. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We so we got married in 2007. Um, 
And I'd been traveling without her for you know five or six years, and I just went, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, like I can't be gone as much as I am. We had a son, and I'm getting pictures from like, here's his Halloween costume this year, oh. and I'm like, cool, he's an adorable penguin, and I'm in San Jose. You yeah, know? and so. I pitched the idea that we should move into an RV and sell everything that we own and travel together. Like, yeah. Let's try it for a year. If it sucks, then we don't have to keep doing it, but let's try it. And so, I don't know why she said yes, but she said yes. And actually, that phrase applies to a lot of our marriage. I don't know why she said yes, <laughs> but she said yes. Uh, I, so, can, I can relate to that in a lot of ways. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we, we moved into an RV, and in 2014, we traveled around. I did a couple hundred shows that year. We, we put like 60,000 miles on the RV. Um, we hit 46 states, I think, 45, 46 states, and most of them twice. So we just zigzagged and, and right. figurated through the country. And then um, I was in Europe for about six weeks, and we had decided that we were going to – we couldn't keep – it was – we, we almost broke even, which right. for the amount of finances it took to do that, like that was, it was a really successful year, but it was not successful enough. I didn't have like a radio hit. I didn't get a, I didn't go play Conan O'Brien. Like I didn't, yeah. you know, it was just, it was a good underground success story, but I couldn't, I was 35 years old. Okay. You know, if I was, if I was 24 and that had gone that well, sure. yeah. keep at it. But you know, we had, our son was in kindergarten. He was, yeah. he skipped kindergarten to go live in the RV with us. So, um, so we decided we needed to settle down somewhere. We ended up settling on Seattle, and then three days before we were supposed to leave, I was back in Nashville getting my stuff, and Heather sort of had this sheepish phone call, like, hey, I got offered, I've been doing some freelance work, I got offered this full-time job, it's a good salary, and I'm getting equity in the company, but it's in Dallas, and I know you said you would never move back to Texas, but I just, I told him no, but I just thought I should at least let you know about it. And I'm like, you can't, you can't tell him no. Like yeah. that's a good salary, and we don't have anything lined up in Seattle. We're right. just like we're going we we to show up, be there. Yeah. So, so we we ended up in Dallas, and I was, and I, I firmly recognize that I'm speaking to Texans, but bear with me to the end of the story. I was mad. I was like really, really angry that we were moving back to Texas. Not at her, um, but just I had spent so long trying to escape. Right. Trying to get away from. You're from a little town in Texas too, so it was yeah. very. And, probably right and I didn't I didn't fit in there and, and in retrospect a lot of that was my own fault I was kind of a snotty know-it-all to be quite honest yep. but but just there was a lot of I don't know man this is where I'm from this is where I've been from why you want to leave you too good for us yeah and that didn't really sit well with me going yeah I do yeah which I wasn't <laughs> like I was just an idiot but but I thought I was too good yeah. and, and um and so yeah I, I swore I would never come back so we ended up in Dallas, and that, that year was really uh, a, a long, weird year for me. But I started writing about baseball just sort of as a hobby to kind of keep myself engaged. Like me? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason that Only it, you had talent. Well, no, right? Come on, I'm not going <laughs> to. But the reason that I, that I ended up quitting music was that I, I couldn't write any songs. Like, I just, I would sit down and try, and they were bad, and I just couldn't, couldn't get anything to come out. And so after a year of that, I decided, like... I don't know, man. Maybe this baseball thing is what I should be pursuing. Yeah. And, um, got lucky enough to have uh, my my boss Orr Moyal. He went to bat for me, and I was I covered the Rangers full time for um, for two years for WFAA. Yeah. And then I couldn't get them to bring me on for the, like a full time salary. I needed like health insurance, and so right. I, I quit, started my own company, and like two months later, the Athletic bought us, and now here I'm here. That's so, awesome. 
Yeah. And so, and you, how much do you travel? Um, I think this year I'm at half of the away games. Yeah, so, half of them. Okay. Yeah, which honestly, like, single me would want to travel for all of them. Yeah. Um, the me that moved into an RV because I was tired of traveling without my family is like half is good. Half's a good, a good balance. Yeah, you know, and that's funny. My kids are now older, but I know when they were younger. I used to travel when my daughter, who's now 21, and I, I know that I don't want to be gone all the time. Yeah. You know, get the picture, like you said, of him in the cute little outfit. Right. But I uh, I, I am realizing if I really want a credential to a lot of these, a minor day-by-day credentials, yeah. I could really do it. The deal is I come to about four a month because I have a family. I don't yeah. get paid to do this, right. and I can't be here every night if it were just single me yeah i would be lined up every night and sit up there right with you and give you hell so now the other beat riders how is it with them are you guys like competitive are you like a fraternity i've kind of seen it but how is it really i mean i think it used to be a lot more competitive back in the newspaper days i mean the dallas morning news guys and the fort worth star telegram guys like hated each other yeah constantly trying to scoop each other because in that day like if you had a scoop that the other guy didn't have they had to just sit on that for 24 hours until it printed until the next day's news came out and so that was really like you could sell a whole lot more papers than the next guy right in, in that case and that was a big win for your newspaper now you beat the other guy by three minutes yeah right like who cares exactly so, um, i think as the old guard sort of gives way to the new guard that's starting to change some and i think some of the old guard guys are like, I, I love T.R. Sullivan. He's like my baseball grandpa. Yeah. He's only 20 years older than me, but he's still like my baseball grandpa because he's as grumpy as a grandpa. Yes. And, um, but nice. You know what? Yeah, he's yeah. been very friendly to me, but he's got that old curmudgeon to him, and I'm like, I really dig that. You know, yeah. he's, he, you know that when he'll no just nonsense. blurt out and go, fuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no nonsense. Yeah. Uh, very knows what he needs to do to get his job done, but genuinely cares about people. Absolutely. And uh, and I get along great with Evan. Uh, Jeff Wilson I get along with. I mean, we all, I think, get along. It's it's still competition. Yeah. Um, there'll be times that I'm working on something that I think I'm the only one that's got it. Yes, when you had your thing going that one with night. The, we the were, deload program, yeah. yeah. The deload program. And then, so at that point, I, my radar starts going up, and I'm like, all right, Evan's acting shifty. Yeah. Does he have this too? Like, <laughs> is he onto this also? Um, and so there's still competition, but it's a more friendly competition. I'm like, no, I, for me, I equate it back to when I was doing music. Uh, I would play a, ba- a show, you know, three or four bands on the on the set. All three bands I'd be friends with. We're all going to go hang out after the show. Right. We were hanging out last night. Yeah. We booked this show together. I called you to be on this bill, and you were like, yeah, can we get these other guys? I'm like, oh, yeah, I love those guys. And then when I would get on stage, I would want to be the best band on the stage that night. And I frankly, and we... I had these conversations with these guys and they admitted that they were the same way. Yeah. I wanted to be so good that they were embarrassed to take the stage after. Absolutely. Like yeah. I, 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 it, it was competitive for me. Yeah. Not in a uh, destructive way, not in a, uh, like I wanted to embarrass them as human beings. Right. I just really wanted to put the pressure on them. Yeah. How do I follow that? Right. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And, and in, in my more magnanimous self, like that's gonna make them put on a better show. I want to make them a better band too. Right. Because if they, if I come out there and put on a crappy show, people are gonna leave, there's gonna be fewer people in the exactly. place. Exactly, exactly. That's not gonna serve them well. So this is a much better scenario for us all if I just go out and try to embarrass you. Yep. Not in a crappy like, oh, this band that follows me next, they suck. Like, not yep. at all that, but just the performance of it. And it's kind of that way now with the beat writers. Like, I want to beat Evan. I want to beat, and TR works for MLB.com, so this, They've got a friendlier relationship with the team. He's not really doing any sort of expose or right. anything. 
But yeah, I want to beat Jeff. I want to beat Evan. I, I wanted to beat Fraley when he was here. I, I, I want to be better than those guys, but not for the sake of literally embarrassing them or, or de like right, degrading them in any way. Just, I well, think it serves us all to, to push each other to be better. Your writing's totally different than theirs, though. Absolutely. You get really yeah. in-depth, and you go, and you have, your humor is fun to read. I, I tell you what, and, and I've admitted to you, look, I found you because I followed Ken Rosenthal. Yeah. And Newberg. And so when Newberg went over, I went, well, you're just the added bonus. I came over already for Ken. And then here's the beat guy, Levi Weaver. I'm going, who is this dude, man? He is yeah. awesome. So I start reading all of your stuff kind of by accident. Yeah. But I love it. I'm always promoting it. So, okay, I want to, you know, I see this. And I, I, look, I, first and foremost, I'm a fan, right? So I, I'm a fan, but I get to do this. So I see this, but I, I like to see you describe it on a okay. 705 normal home start, 705. Yeah. Tell me about your day from when you get up, whether it's your interaction with kids, yeah. when are you going to the park? I don't think people realize how long a day it is. It is really long. So, so um, it when I get up kind of depends. Like if my wife gets up with the kids for school, sometimes she'll leave and I won't even wake up. Uh -huh. And those, those days are really nice. If I've had an extra long night, like sometimes I'll let her know, like maybe I just, I need to sleep in in the morning. But a little over half most days I try and like get up with the kids so they've got to be at school at 8 or whatever so right. I'm up 7.30 7.40 I, sometimes I'm driving them to school like with puffy eyes and yep um, and then if on those days that I do get up like once Heather goes to work I'll take a nap okay but we get to the park about 1.30 um, so I'll usually be transcribing or kind of catching up on the day's news and then at around, usually around 3 o'clock is when Clubhouse opens. We're in Clubhouse for 20, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. We go talk to the manager then for usually about 20 minutes. Then we come up, that's when we're writing our story. So from 4 o'clock or whatever until probably 6. You got, you got a good solid two-hour window usually to write. Around between 6 and 7, I'll go in and like real quick eat. So eat, I got a 15-minute window to eat. Right. Uh, come back and try and wrap up whatever I'm working on from a story standpoint. Then the game starts. I don't like to write during the game because I actually like to watch baseball. Right. Um, but sometimes I have to. There are times I kind of have to just sort of keep an eye on the game while I'm writing. Keep score, watch the game. As soon as the game's over, it's usually about 10, 30, 11, we go down, talk to the manager first. That's a much shorter session, maybe five, seven minutes. Then we go back into the clubhouse. We catch anybody that we need to catch after the game. Sometimes I'll follow up with a question I had earlier from somebody. We're back up. When I was doing game stories, then that's when I would start on my game story and I'd be out of here at like 12.30, 12.45 every night. Right. Now it's a little different because we don't really write gamers for the athletics, so I can get out of here a little bit earlier now, which I'm really thankful for. But I'm usually home around 12 to 12.30. So yeah. from the time I get to the park to the time I leave, it's about an 11 hour day most days. You're probably just slightly closer to me. I know I know where you said you live out over there and I'm in Richardson, so we kind of go the same way. Yeah. Did you take my back way the other day? I did, yeah, it was a good shortcut. Yeah, because, yeah. well, normally though, I and for those that don't know, I, when I'm here, I, I see what he's talking about. I go through all of it with him and watch him do it. But when we usually leave late at night, there's nobody here. So oh, they're all gone, everybody's yeah, gone. But the, that night, there was the fireworks right and jesus everybody was leaving at the same time yeah and i wasn't really like i was just gonna write from home at the end of the game that night i went down and got the interviews i'm like okay i'll leave well by exactly the time we got done with interviews we got back up and everybody's leaving for fireworks so. yeah absolutely okay so is there any difference on the road yeah oh yeah um that's when you really get your good stories because the players sort of 
see a, a familiar face. Yeah. You're no longer one. You know, we'll have maybe 15 to 20 sometimes members of the media here. Yeah. On any given day. On a road trip, it's like four or yeah, five. Sure. And so you, there's more access. And here, the guys have more places to hide. Yeah. They can be in the training room. They could be. I mean, there's hundreds of places they can hide. On the road, they're generally in the clubhouse more. And so you can kind of get better access. And then I've done stories with guys where I'm like, hey, I want to do like a feature. But it's like, I'd like to sit and talk with you for about 20 minutes. Like, can I get you for breakfast tomorrow? Um, and once in a while, you can get guys to like actually sit down with you over a meal. And you can really get your, your good, like in-depth interviews. Right. Whereas like, if I'm in here and there's 15 people in the room, I hate this. So... Um, so, uh, if there's a player that I, I need some in-depth stuff from and I walk over and I start talking to them all of a sudden we all follow you three cameras I'm guilty of that three, yeah. three yeah. cameras and two reporters come over and everyone's got their microphone in his face and you get one question and then all of a sudden the next person's like so tell us about this series against the Astros today like oh man I was trying to ask about this childhood friend of his and I'm like yeah. trying to get this in-depth stuff so you get that stuff more on the road uh, and I see it I, I'm a, I, I hate that so anytime just not, hey I'm trying to get something I'll get away from yeah them. no and and you learn how to be polite about it and just kind of you sort of keep an eye on the cameras when they come over you kind of give them the like cut like I don't know what is this sign called where yeah. you use your hand across the like the yeah. kid. not not now guys yeah um, but you can't always do that, and it's never, especially if it's somebody like Elvis or Joey or yeah. Hunter Pence, like those guys everybody wants to talk to. It's like, it's like moths to a flame. They all just go in when, yeah. they, when they do it. Now, uh, and on the road, though, I'm talking about you're up around the same time or you, you go to oh, the city. Yeah, yeah. And yeah uh, so because I'm not having to get up with the kids, I'll generally get up around 10 a.m., but I, I, I like to walk around the city and just sightsee a little bit. So I'll do that from 10 till about 1 or so. and then you know. Same time to the ballpark, yeah. usually about that time. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so in your spare time, before we get into Rangers, we're going to have a couple of Ranger questions okay. at the end. In your spare time, what is it you love to do in your spare time? Um, this is really lame. I would love to say that I am an avid reader or podcast listener, but I, I just like... There's just not during the season. There's not a lot of free time. Right. So. So off season. Okay. So in the off season, I'll go to more shows and I'll do some writing that's not about baseball and I'll. I just try to diversify because baseball is so every day. Mm-hmm. The burnout is so easy to it's do. A long season. It's longer than any other. And every sport. day is so long. And so, I, I'll just do anything that's not baseball related. Yeah. I don't. I don't read other beat writers' work. I don't read much about sports at all, to yeah. be quite honest. I've got my sources that I'll keep up on so I know what's happening. Um, but I will, that's when I'll, I'll get reading in. I'll, I'll watch movies, I'll go to concerts. So, uh, so yeah, basically anything that's not baseball. Um, I'll, I'll catch up on movies I missed, TV shows I missed, uh, go to go to concerts, read books, hang out with friends, because I never get to see my friends during the baseball season. Sure. So I always tell them, like, I'll see you in October, we'll be friends again in October. From October to February, we'll be friends. <laughs> Okay, so I've got the, the beat writer for the Texas Rangers. I have to ask a couple of Ranger questions, but I'm not going to get in-depth. I just want to know, right. what in, um, who is the all-time favorite Ranger you've covered in your three years? Okay, I've got two. Okay. Um, Tony Barnett is the first one. Tony's a good dude. I knew that, he, so I wanted yeah. to hear about that. Uh, we, he and I arrived at the same time. We both had hair down to our shoulders, and we yeah. sort of looked across the room. We're like, brother? <laughs> uh, and I still stay in touch with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was. I went and had dinner at his house when I was at spring training, and it's it's easier to be friends now that he's not on the Rangers because sure. I don't have to maintain this sort of journalistic objectivity. Right. Uh, the other is Ian Desmond. He was kind of one of the first guys to talk to me 
like start up a conversation with me when I was here in 2016, and um, he was just like, "So what's your deal? Like, what do, what do you do?" Yeah, because I'm you know, like a pearl snap shirt and boots and a and, <laughs> yeah. and long hair, and he's like, uh, "You don't resemble TR in any way." Right, and, and so he, he just sort of looks up and catches my eye. He's like, "What's your what's your deal, man? Like, what do you do? What, what's your story?" <laughs> and um, Ian was a. Uh, and I've heard that he's not like this with everybody, but we, we got along really well. He's a very thoughtful, uh, interesting, intelligent dude. So he was probably uh, one of my favorites. I enjoyed writing about Jake Diekman because yeah. he was just such a weird-looking delivery, and um, and Jake's a good guy too. Like yeah. I got along with him, but but yeah, I mean those were my two favorite guys probably to cover were um, okay, you, and, and Desmond. Because you can take the fifth or okay. not. So who was? Is it either past or current Ranger is just difficult or maybe an asshole or he's just kind of hard to get along with? Um, let me think. An example, I've only done this for this amount of time. Yeah. Uh, Rudy's a little standoffish and doesn't really, but I understand not only dealing with a little bit of the year he's had, he doesn't speak great English. Um, and yeah, I don't find Odor to be that difficult. For, for me, like he'll, he'll tell fist, he'll, he'll fist bump me or something like yeah. that. But I, I tried to ask him one day something, and it was after a bad. You know, I know how they are. After a bad right. game, after a bad game is always a bad time. Yeah, um, I don't really ever have too much difficulty getting getting him. Lance Lynn is difficult. He just does not enjoy talking to us. I saw that that one night. Yeah. Yeah, and so like last night. So the example last night, I was like, so it seemed like you got more efficient as the game went on. Your pitch count was high early. And, you were more efficient later. Like saw that on TV. Right out there. Yeah. Attribute that to, it, and he goes fewer balls. And I didn't. I could, I didn't hear. I didn't understand. I'm like I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I didn't hear you. He goes fewer balls. Fewer, he's like more strikes. Fewer balls. <laughs> no elaboration whatsoever. No, man. none whatsoever. <laughs> but he he also kind of has a droll sense of humor about it too. Like we all finished. We all know the dance we're gonna do. Yeah. He doesn't like talking to us. We don't really like talking. To, like it's a waste of our time. And we finished, and he's like, always a pleasure talking to you guys, and he walks off. Like, you know what? Credit for that. Like, that's fine. I get it. You don't want to talk to us. Well, that's um, good, though. So you don't really have someone that you're just like, man, this kid, this guy's a total ass. And no, just not. no. I, I mean. I haven't seen anyone really that way either, but, I, you know, I'm more standoffish. I just kind of follow the pack. And... Yeah, it's a good question, and I'm trying to think if there's been anybody, but no. So when I was 19, I worked for a little radio station in Weatherford. And I did similar to what you're doing now. I get like one game per homestand or whatever I was right. into. And so I, even at 19, I realized that um, a lot of the questions were the same. And so I just sat up there one game and started writing these questions that were not about baseball. And but I made the mistake of I didn't come for early clubhouse. I did this after a game. Oh, gosh. And some of the guys were great. Like there were guys, Rusty Greer was really great. He thought it was funny and answered my questions. But um, Mike Morgan, who was a probably probably close to what the age I am now at the time and we get to about the third question he goes are any of these about baseball and I went anyway, I'm a shy like 19 year old kid I don't know what I'm doing I'm like um no sir that's why I introduced it as like none of these are about baseball and he goes if it's not about baseball I don't want to talk about it and he like slings his towel down repeats himself for effects at the top of his lungs if it's not about baseball I don't want to talk about it <laughs> and he walks off into the dining room. Yeah. And I'm just standing there holding my, like my tape recorder and microphone, and everybody in the room has stopped talking <laughs> or looking at me. So, yeah, that guy was a real jerk. Um, 
But I, I mean, I, obviously, I could have done it better. But I was a night. I had no idea what I was doing. So yeah, and I'm 51 and don't have an idea what I'm doing. So I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So who is uh, this year on the team? Who's exceeded your expectations? From an interview standpoint or from a performance standpoint? Performance. I'm talking. We're, we're talking. We're going to break down baseball for oh, two questions. Hunter Pence. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was. He looked done last year. Yeah. And, um, I, had I a, think the easy one's Gallo. Hunter Pence is the one that is just... See, I kind of thought Gallo had this in him. I thought he would get off to a slow start and get to where he is. I thought the swing adjustment was a really good one for him. Um, so, yeah, he early he had a, yeah, a quicker start than I thought, but I, I always kind of thought he had this. Yes, okay. Um, but, oh, yeah, Pence, no Pence one saw that. And once I saw Pence taking batting practice and hitting in spring training, my expectations went up. The bat made a different... Or the ball made a different sound coming out of his bat. So I thought he had a, a shot. Um, Danny Santana is the other one, and I, I mean, he was... You know, at first I think we all thought, okay, you know, everybody that was bashing Ruggie and they got to put... But we were all going, you know what, we, we've seen his stats, we know who he is, let him keep this up. And then he, he, he has. And he has. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's been a little crazy. Okay, so uh, who has been the biggest disappointment? And I know Odor's had a, an off year, and that's disappointing, but besides yeah, him... Yeah, but, but uh, with Odor also, like, to, in the opposite direction, I kind of always knew he had this in him. You know, yeah. and he's been much better for the last two weeks. We just talked to the manager about some adjustments that he's made, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he is great for the rest of the season. Uh, he's he's, he's just got that in him. Yeah, wild uh, a wild level of variation in his game. Uh, I hate to say this about the guy because he's one of my favorite people to talk to in the clubhouse, but Ronald Guzman's bat has been pretty shaky this year. That's so, fine. So because I like him, and I. Honestly, at first base, his defense is is, is stellar. Oh yeah, That's and I why he's and I think team. he's so much better than he is right now. Yeah, I, I think it, I, you know you played baseball. I played it in high school. Yeah. a slump can only be compounded by you overthinking about it. Oh, for sure, and trying to get yourself for sure. Out. And this is second year. I think he's got, I think he's got uh, a lot more in the tank. I think he's going to be fine, but he's had a bad year. Yeah. Um, okay. Shelby so, Shelby Miller, I think, is the other one. I I advocated for. You know, five free agents I think the Rangers should be interested in. Shelby Miller was one. They signed him, and I felt really smart. And that really did not pan out. So that's my other one. He's the one I feel smart about because at the first of the year, we did a little thing with who I blogged for, Dallas Sports Nation. Yeah. Who do you think will be the biggest disappointment? I was watching spring training stats and going, I think Miller must not because I liked him. Yeah. And I thought, I think he might he might be DFA'd before the All-Star break. I said that. Really? I wrote it. Wow, way to go. And went... I tweeted a couple of the guys, and I went, wow, I kind of look like I know what I'm talking about until you look at the other things. Right, right. We don't have to bring those up. No, I'm also the guy that unemphatically told my uncle that the uh, Colts would rue the day that they took Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf. So, wow, your your worst mess-up is worse than mine, probably. <laughs> I I thought that the Adrian Beltre signing was a bad one at the time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was even worse. So. I mean, unemphatically said, they are making the biggest mistake Peyton Manning will never outdo Ryan Lee. So, okay. Wow. All right, last one uh, before we get out of here. And this is kind of an interesting one, and I knew you would be honest about it. Okay. And I think I know the answer to it, but you have to be objective. You're a writer. You're yeah. covering this team. But yeah. do you root for this team? Um, not in the way that I used to. Okay. So I used to be a fan. Right. right. Um, now, now I root for the people. Right. You know? Um, I want Ronald Guzman to pull out of the slump, not because I need the Rangers to win to validate me or my fandom, right? but because he's a super nice guy and I want him to succeed, sure. just like I want you to succeed, just yes. like I want Tyler right. Sullivan to succeed. Right. Um, and so I do, I root for the guys, I root for the... I would love to see John Daniels be the GM of a World Series winning team, right? 
He's always been pretty fair to me. He's always uh, people um, don't get that. They're so funny, but he is so friendly. He'll sit there and talk, and yeah. he, he's open. And I that y'all talked to him earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep and, going. The, and there'll be times when he, he sends, can't talk when he sends or when he sends me a text and goes, "Hey, what are you? That, that's completely unfair. What are you talking about?" Yep. And I've had to defend myself, and sometimes I've been wrong, and be like, "Hey, man, you're right. I'm sorry," and have to issue a correction. But he's always been very fair. To right. Me. Um, so I would love to see him win a, a, a championship. Um, I really like the influence that Chris Woodward has brought to the to the club. I would like to see him be the manager of a World Series winning team. I want to see Hunter Pence come back home and win a World Series in Arlington. That's a neat story. That would be a right? great story. Like, so, so yeah, but I, so I do, but not in the way that I used to. And so that also allows me to be objective, I think, about the organization. Um, and it does, I think, make it... It, it does sort of flip it and make it more difficult to be objective about players sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, because I like talking to Guzman and because he's a lot of fun and he's a funny guy, I want to believe he's going to pull out of a slump. And I have to sort of examine my motives like, do I just want that or do I believe that? Yeah. Um, I do believe that. I think he's a, I, I think he is having the season, the slow start that I expected Gallo to have. Right. With the adjustments that he's making, he's got a lot of long limbs and a lot of levers and a lot of, uh, it's difficult to make an adjustment when your arms are 14 feet long. So, right. So, you know, that's... <laughs> That's just how it goes, but but uh, yeah, it, it makes it easier and it makes it more difficult. Yeah, and and I, one advantage I have over all of you guys is I can be a fan and root. I don't, I don't never up there. No one up there does, and you can't. Right. You have to be very reserved and just watch the game. So I do get the, oh the, oh oh. Unless a game goes to extra innings, and then you're allowed to say all the curse words you want as absolutely. loudly as you want. And I have laughed at that because they almost went to it, and it was obvious you guys want to get the hell out of here. Crap. You know, I'm still not really that way, but it's funny to me. Too. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, when the Mariners were here, um, the Rangers were leading the game. They had like a six-run lead. I was here. Okay, and yeah. so so the Mariners start to make a comeback, and the Mariners beat writers are just mfing the Rangers bullpen like. <laughs> Like, yes. Get that, this game uh, done and over with. Beat these guys. <laughs> one of them was a girl, right? That was sitting right back here. They, oh, she was. I cannot believe. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So it was almost like they were actively rooting against the team that they covered just because they wanted to get out of here and go home. And, I, and is, I get it. Right. It's like, a long day. It yeah. is a long day. Listen, Levi. I, I can't thank you enough. And I know we we've, we've kind of become friendly in there we talk and I totally appreciate you giving me time all the time and and that's just been so great and this has been more than I even expected it's so fun talking to you I want to thank I can't thank you enough for doing it and obviously every time I'm here we're gonna sit and jabber and I want to hear more fun stories but I appreciate you coming on with me happy to do it that was Levi Weaver of The Athletic and I can't thank Levi enough for giving me the time we guys we've got about 45 minutes here and that's long enough so we're going to cut this thing short I can't thank uh again Mr. Uh, Levi Weaver for coming on with me the athletic who allows Levi to come on and do that um again you need to you need to subscribe to the athletic listen to welcome to the hit show which is an outstanding and fun um fun uh podcast to listen to that him and Emily host um we're going to wrap this one up for all of those who have been a part of this one, thanks a lot. And like I say at the end of artic- of any article that I write or any podcast that I do, nerd out!